now. I don't know who he is behind that mask of his, but I do know when we need him. And we need him now. I'll call him, sir. For some reason, the cool bars in Hollywood have to be hard to find and have to have no sign. This is the Cocktail Nation. Well, 2017 rolling to a close, and as I do every single year, we always like to look at the very best releases of the year. Best music releases, best product releases, best of the best is what we call this show. And I actually started off the show in 2017 by talking to a band called the Tiki Torches. Robert Hamilton was the man that I spoke to. So we start off this show talking about the very beginnings of the Tiki Torches. Started off uh, probably somewhere around 2014. Uh um, Jay Priceman, Mike James, and, and myself um, got together, and we thought we were actually going to try to do a, uh, a casino lounge kind of thing over, uh, we have just up north from us in Oklahoma, there's a, a bunch of casinos, and, and we thought we were going to go that route and try to do a lounge, uh, mm. female-led, um, female singer-led uh, kind of thing, and uh, it just so turned out one of the practices, she couldn't make it, and uh, we were trying to figure out new tunes to learn and Mike um, the guitarist uh, came up with the idea of why don't we do some kind of tiki thing you know and, and uh, it just the, the flood doors just opened and, and uh, all of a sudden it was like one of those ah moments you know where uh, <laughs> the clouds separate and, and all this clarity just comes flooding in and um, uh, I had been exposed to, to uh, I had been in California um, in early 2000 2004 playing for um, a rockabilly act and um, have been exposed to a lot of tiki culture but never really appreciated it that much just because I, I just didn't really I never took the time to really understand it or mm. or um, try to educate myself so uh, when when Mike made that suggestion um, the very first thing we did is pulled up my, my old laptop and, and one of the first songs that, that came up when we typed in the word exotica was uh Green Fire by uh, Ethel Azama, and uh, we just <laughs> we it was just it was just one of those moments where all three of us just realized, okay, this is where we want to go. Fantastic! It's yeah. been it's been uh, marvelous talking to you. Um, let's play Mizaloo, and uh, good to have you on the show, man. Thank you, sir. Thank you so much. This is the Cocktail Nation with Cooper.
Torches with Mizzaloo on the Cocktonation Best of the Best for 2017. This year I discovered an Australian exotica artist, and I cannot tell you how rare that is. His name is Christopher De Groot, and the album Sailing Ships and Tarot Cards. Cocktail Nation. Tell us, what is the, the difference between the Melbourne group that you play with called Slide Night and your album, uh, Sailing Ships and, and Tarot Cards? Is, is there m- much of a difference? Did you use some of those musicians? What's the difference? Yeah, well, basically, the, the, the band Slide Night was really born out of this project. Um, so Sailing Ships and Tarot Cards is actually sort of a, an extended version of that soundtrack for The Burning Kiss. Right. Um, the Burning Kiss is unfortunately still trapped in post-production. Um, it's sort of, you know, it's one of those things being, a, a, you know, trying to get an independent feature film up in Australia is, is very difficult and uh, very expensive. So it's still in post-production and then, and I'm, you know, I'm told it's coming out sometime in the future. But... Um, yeah, Slide Night was really born out of that. Like, I finished the project and I thought, wow, you know, wouldn't it be great to play some of this material live and to try and bring some of the, the, the theatrical elements that, that you can hear in the music on, onto the stage. And that's when I, um, yeah, got together with some of the musicians that played on the album and asked them if they would be interested in, in being in a band that, that played this sort of material. And, um, yeah, we, we, we play a number of tracks from that album. Uh, some some of the tracks on the album would be very hard to, to recreate live yeah. just because of the the, the sort of more... Um, yeah, the... the, the intricate the, nature. The, the, the intricate <laughs> nature of it. Like, like the, the, the album features a 16-piece flute choir at times that, that was overdubbed by myself and and the Slide Night Flautist, uh, Asher Hemphrey. So... You know, to, to get those sorts of elements involved would be a much, much harder thing to do. But uh, we do play a number of those those tracks live. And I was also interested to to bring some of the classic uh, exotica uh, music from Les Baxter, Martin Denny and, and Robert Drasnan and, and kind of introduce that, uh, yeah, to, to a live audience and to yeah. play some of the repertoire. So we do a mixture of sort of classic uh, exotica tracks plus uh, original material that I've written and, and of course, uh, material from from the album, yeah. What is, what's the reaction been like as far as Melbourne Live uh, uh, crowds are concerned to, to Slide Night? Because I know that in Melbourne there has been more of a tiki scene than, sadly, uh, in Sydney has been rather lacking, but you've had a couple of tiki bars down in, in Melbourne. There's a b- bit of interest in Exotica. Uh, have you seen much of that, that crowd come to your shows? Yes, definitely. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, a lot of the people that, that, that knew about or, or were interested in, in, the, in the exotica genre, um, yeah, got into it very quickly. Um, yeah, got a lot of support on social media, people wanting to know how they could hear more, mm. where we were playing, those sorts of things. But then outside of that, I think uh, we were able to introduce sort of new people to to the idea of exotica, even, you know, just inviting friends and friends of friends, and it sort of grew a little bit from that. And I think everyone, um, yeah, everyone we've encountered has, has, has thought it's really interesting and um, have, has really enjoyed it, you know. Yeah. Um, it's one thing, it's, it's interesting trying to explain what, what exotica music is to someone um, so it's always hard to sort of explain <laughs> what it is, and then when we when we actually play it, then people go, "Oh, I get it." Uh, it's kind of like a penny drop. You know, I, I I would always say to people, it's like fake world music. You know, <laughs> it's like uh, you know, that's the best way I could describe it. Because if yeah. you say exotic music, you know, people often think it's got something to do with strip shows. Yeah, or something, you know, like, <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, try and try and yeah, get get rid of that as quick as I can. Yeah, that, that's fa- fabulous. Uh, congratulations on, a, on what is a truly fantastic album. Uh, I, I love the album artwork; it just looks really, really cool. And it's it's a, it's a big album. It's it's mm. a, it's it's uh, it's world class production. So, congratulations. The album is Sailing Ships and Tarot Cards. We're going to play the title track off that now. Christopher De Groot, uh, congratulations, and I hope that we get to talk again soon with uh, more Exotica releases. Yes, thank you.
Christopher de Groot on the best of the best Cocktail Nation for 2017 and the song Sailing Ships and Tarot Cards. Check out the album. James Spencer, speaking of Exotica, released Exotica, the Cocktail Piano Hour. And I asked him about this amazing concept. Cocktail, piano and Exotica all rolled into one. Look at the origins of Exotica which, in my opinion, come back to, you know, three main people. You know, I would say Les Baxter, of course, Martin Denny, and Robert Drazen. And all of them were classically trained, and all of them were pianists. And what a lot of people might not know about Exotica is that it really actually started uh, even further back in the 1910s of classical impressionist and um, composers and uh, primitivist composers writing in an exotic style. And then these became the prototype for a lot of the hits we know. Uh, one great composer who was a virtuoso piano composer was named Cyril Scott. He was sometimes dubbed the English Debussy, and he penned Lotus Land, which of course is a big hit for, you know, that became a huge exotica standard, you know, Martin Denny recorded it, Gene Raines recorded it, Ted Oletta recorded it, you know, and what I wanted to kind of do with this album is to show the origins with some of these artists um, at the piano, and then to honor less, since I did do the bio, with uh, a version we had talked about of, um, you know, I had played for less my version of Quiet Village many years ago, yeah. and he loved it. And he gave me some pointers on, well, this is kind of where I think you should go with this, and, you know, this is how I would kind of handle it. And so, you know, I thought, I want to do that. It's perfect. It goes along with the book. And then I wanted to take my composing skills and sort of write in the style of Les Baxter. And so I penned a piece, uh, and I kind of honor it. My, my favorite uh exotica track of Les Baxter's is Oasis of Dakwa yeah. from Tambu, 1956. And so I wanted to use that title a little bit. So I created this, you know, my favorite color is Jade. So I kind of created this, the mysterious Jade Temple of Dakwa and kind of mimicked a lot of Les's compositional techniques, which actually go back further to Cyril Scott. I really want to play the mysterious Jade Temple of Dakwa tonight because well this is uh, you know a, a composition of, of yours inspired by Les Baxter oh, so uh, let, let's kick off with that one tonight and uh, make sure you grab this album this is a great one for exotic fans out there and congratulations James thank you aloha
Cocktail Nation. Nation, Mysterious Jade Temple of Duckler from James Spencer off the album Exotica, The Cocktail Piano Hour. It's Kip Kipper as we count down the very best of 2017 and my good friend Darren Long from the Tiki Delights released a very, very cool album and uh, I just love the work of Darren. Swank, the Tiki Delights and special guests came out in 2017 and what a fabulous album. Thanks, Coop. I appreciate that. It's yeah, it's been four years since, almost four years since Meet the Tiki Delights came out in August of 2013. So that's amazing. Now, um, this this is a combination of many songs, many songs that we've played before, plus a few new ones. Uh, what, what's the difference between uh, this album and, and other albums that you've done? Well, this one's kind of a combination of things, whereas it's got four four newly recorded songs over the last couple of years and we decided to release those kind of like you would singles in the old days which you were very kind to play and yeah. kind of debut to keep us kind of like kind of based on the Beatles model back in the 60s where they had to have a single out you know every month or two yeah. and a, like four albums a year just just to stay relevant yeah so uh, four of these songs are record over the last few years and the other four to balance out the eight are songs from my collection of uh, demos and things that I recorded songs that I wrote with uh, female singers songs I wrote to pitch to uh, people like Diana Krall and things like that right but they fit into the lounge thing very well so yeah. that's why I included them 
I, I like it. I like your thinking on on you know releasing things regularly to, to stay relevant and stay in people's minds. It's it's an old it's an old model, but I think it's a model that really works. I mean, there's you know it's kind of you know you, you you love your artists that uh, you know that release music, and, and you might be waiting for like a year for an album, and then you're gonna you know listen to that album over and over again. But sometimes when there's kind of like little 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 tidbits coming through the through the year leading up to this album, and then there's a few surprises. It's 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 a really great way of doing it. It's great for the fans, and it's and it's great for you. Yeah, it keeps you relevant, like you said, because the way it is nowadays, it, it can take. Unfortunately, it takes several years sometimes to get an album together, just due to the the finances and all that. Yeah. And if you're gone from the scene for four years, you're almost forgotten, you know. And yeah. in the meantime, all these other groups are coming out and putting out their new material. So the single idea keeps you in the forefront. People don't forget you as easily as they will after four years. Yeah, yeah. I, I love the combination that you've got in, in, in the album cover art, which really reflects uh, your your music. You got some some your little Tiki Delights guys there. They got their martini glasses. They got their suits, and they're mm-hmm. wearing a tiki mask. It's it's a combination of what is the lounge and exotic scene today, which is a combination of both styles and both music. Right, and I I wanted to emphasize that that the Tiki Delights isn't just a tiki band, as I tried to show in the very first CD, Meet the Tiki Delights, where it was more of a it showed. A little more depth about what we do, a little spaghetti western, a little surf, some real true exotica, some lighter stuff that we're not just typecast into one one style of music. And then, of course, branching out of the lounge was something I wanted to do. And there's several groups that have been able to do that successfully and do instrumental and do vocal. Watching the sun go down, feeling the ocean breeze. The sand is wet beneath the feet. Your hair is brushing back my hair. Baby, it's safe to say it'd be so easy. But there's somewhere we're supposed to be A mistake they can wait We'll arrive fashionably late Aren't we the pair without a care? The moon is full tonight You can hold me
with the Tiki Lights and Fashionably Late. Now, something very exciting happened in 2017. The word caller was uttered once again. Caller Pandit, with a documentary that came out all about his amazing life. For wisdom is better than rubies, and all things to be desired are not to be compared unto it. bring you musical gems from near and far, blended into a pattern of glorious harmony. A program based on the universal language of music, it is our pleasure to present to you Corla Pandit. Eric Christensen uh, joins me to talk about uh, the brand new documentary all about the amazing man that is Corla Pandit. When I saw the trailer for this, I thought to myself, I've, I've seen his face, I, I've heard the name, but I, I didn't know the story. And the story is incredible. Well, very few people did know the story, and it was a well-kept secret until three years after his death. Um, our interest in him was uh, John Turner uh, and I did the film together, and both John and I worked at the ABC television station in San Francisco, Mm. and Corla had a show there in the 1950s, 1953 to be exact. He started in Los Angeles at KTLA in 1951, but he came up to the San Francisco Bay Area and had a show here. And we both worked there for many years, but in as far back as 1988 was the 40th anniversary of the television station, and they brought some of the former stars of the television station out, Jack LaLanne, the exercise king, and uh, Corla Pandit uh, were on that show. So I got to meet him, as did John, and a few years later, uh, John produced a piece where they went up and interviewed Corla. But of course, everybody at that time believed he was a Brahmin Indian, uh, like he told people, and uh, that was it. Then, fast forward to 2000, well, he died, Corla died in uh, Petaluma, just north of San Francisco, in 1998. And three years later, 2001, uh, a journalist, music journalist in Los Angeles, R.J. Smith, who's featured prominently in the film, uh, was doing a book called The Great Black Way about Mm. Central Avenue and the music scene there with Count Basie and many of the other jazz greats. And in the process, he was interviewing Sir Charles Thompson, who by that time was 90-year-old boogie-woogie piano player, still playing. Mm. And Sir Charles just offhandedly said to him, you know, growing up in Columbia, Missouri, I wasn't the best keyboard player. There was a guy named John Roland Red. I come to Los Angeles in the 1950s, and there he is on TV wearing a turban and a jewel. (laughs) So he outed uh, Corla. Yeah. And then uh, some investigation proved that to be correct, although the family uh, closely guarded the secret and denied uh, the story that R.J. told uh, in uh, the Los Angeles magazine. That is fantastic. Great to talk to you, Eric. Well, nice talking to you. And uh, if you if people want more information, uh, go to CorlaTheMovie.com. Thanks for your time. Corla Pandit now closes his treasure chest of musical gems forward to opening it again for you on his next program. If you have a favorite song close to your heart, Corla Pandit will try to include it on one of his future programs if you will please write to him in care of this station.
Cocktail Nation. there and remember to check out that documentary pretty amazing stuff what an amazing man laura ainsworth speaking of amazing amazing ladies released her album new vintage it's based on really the approach that i've taken to my recordings all the way along unearthing very old obscure vintage recordings and giving them kind of a a new twist the song that i want to play tonight is a song that uh that I've played a few times on the show, but it's just uh, a favourite of mine, An Occasional Man. Tell us a little bit about that song. Did you enjoy seeing that and recording that? I love that. And we're, we're going to be doing a music video of that song. No, really? Uh, featuring, you know, I, I live in a house full of parrots, as you know. I, I, I heard them when we started. <laughs> yes, they're being nice and quiet right now, but that could change at any moment. Anyway, I'm doing a music video of this. Really? Uh, the full kind of tiki lounge treatment, because the whole idea is being on a, a little tropical island. Yeah. And I want to feature my birds in video. They can add their little, their little, their little touches. <laughs> now, Laura, I need I need to ask you this, and uh, it, it might sound rude, but uh, in the song, she does talk about going for uh, for a swim and wearing nothing but just a great big smile. Are you going to uh-huh. be doing that? <laughs> <laughs> well, let's see. I could find some uh, strategically placed bird. Wings, and things. I don't know. <laughs> Work it out. I had to ask. <laughs> well, congratulations. Uh, the new album, New Vintage, will play an occasional man. Uh, Laura Ainsworth from the new album, New Vintage, on the Cocktail Nation. I got an island in the Pacific, and everything. Occasional man 
send me music I love to play your music if you're a, an exotic artist or a jazz musician bossa let's get you let's get you on the radio let's uh, let's get that music out there and if you're a musician perhaps who maybe has released some albums in the past and you haven't done one for a while I certainly encourage you to do it the technology is there to do it and do it reasonably cheaply compared to uh, days gone by but uh, keeping this music alive for me is one of the key reasons I do this show. So if you've got some music in you, make sure you get it out there. We'd love to hear from you. And I love it when I'm able to follow up with bands year after year. I spoke to a band by the name of Out of Abingdon in 2016, and they were back with a new album called Another Story. And I spoke to the two people that are in this band, Tina Fullerton and Warwick Hargraves, about the idea behind Another Story. Well, it's... It's a, a reference in part to the Story Bridge and uh, a bunch of stories, you know, urban tales, let's say, um, about life living in, in a city. Yeah. Now, for, many, for people who, who don't know what the Story Bridge is, the Story Bridge is the, the, main, uh, the main crossing, I suppose, uh, for, uh, for people who live in, in Brisbane. And it's, I think it's been around since, what's, since about the 1920s, I think, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's about 80 years old, and uh, we live very close to it. So we live right next, almost underneath the Story Bridge, so it's uh, it's present every day for us. Yeah, it's a it's a spectacular bridge, and, and I loved how in, in the very first uh, song on, on the album you, you make you make reference to uh, to the Story Bridge, which uh, as, a, as, a, as a former Brisbaneite brings back a, a lot of memories. Theme of, of the album can't all just be about the bridge. <laughs> No, no, it's just uh, adding our stories, I guess. Yeah, and, we, and we've done a, a quite a lot of travelling and, and touring, even since last time we spoke to you, we've been to Europe again and around Aussie, and it's uh, we come back to this place right next to the Story Bridge with a lot of different stories and ideas, and, and we've really enjoyed the uh, writing process for this album. I think it's a slightly different again from Small Steps, our last one. Yeah, no, I I, re- I I really loved it. I thought it was a fantastic album. Once again, you know, we've we've got your, you know, both of both of your uh, vocals that are haunting in so many different ways, <laughs> you know, uh, we, which is one of the things I love about it, and then, and just a, a really nice album. And and look, to be honest, I think if if, if you've uh, if you enjoyed Small Steps, you're absolutely going to enjoy another story. In fact, I'd say it's a it's a story which continues, and and so it it. it it nicely bookmarks small steps, I think. Like uh, small steps was two fourteen, so it shows the progress in our uh, songwriting and our collaboration with songwriting, and, and you know, well, hopefully we're getting better at telling stories. It's the best of the best for twenty seventy one on the Cocktail Nation.
Abingdon on the Coxination Best of the Best show and a song called Change It. Into some of the uh, books that uh, were released for 2017. I love a fantastic book about uh, any mid-century things and one book that I followed up on actually, Volume 2 Gambling on a Dream by Lynn M. Zook, the classic Las Vegas strip of 56 to 73, which followed on from the original Gambling on a Dream, the classic Las Vegas strip 1930s to 1955. These are amazing, amazing Apple books that you can uh, pick up, so you, you need to read it on your device. And I asked Lynn M. Zook about uh, this, the premise behind this particular follow-on book. It uh, covers uh, the history of the hotel built between 1956 and 1973. So uh, hotels like the Stardust and the Tropicana, the Hacienda, the original MGM Grand, uh, the Aladdin, and of course, Caesar's Palace, Circus Circus. 
You know, when I read the, no. uh, the very first uh, Gambling on a Dream, I was, I was amazed at how you, you know, you covered the very, very humble beginnings in Las Vegas. And, and I must say, too, for, for, for listeners who are interested in learning more about uh, Las Vegas, this is the book. And I particularly love the fact, uh, being a, an iBook, it is so interactive and, and, and so easy to use. You know, you've even got videos and things like that there. Uh, it, is, it is just a great way to really experience, um, you know, what is an amazing history in, in yes. Las Vegas in, in such a, an interactive way. So, so hats off to you for using this technology uh, in, in, such a, in such a great way. And, of course, uh, that continues with book number two. Well, thank you very much. Uh, that was uh, one of the reasons why um, I did it as a digital book uh, was so that uh, people would be able uh, to have that uh, multimedia experience with uh, the videos and being able to zoom into the pictures. And it, I was I was hoping that it would give uh, readers, you know, a sense of what it was what what the Las Vegas Strip was like back uh, uh, in its heyday. This is the Cocktail Nation. Thanks to Ultraswank.net.
Constellation with Brent Labler there. Meet me at the Havana Hotel from the album No Matter Where Noir, released in 2017. Fabulous album worth checking out. James Spencer, busy fella. We spoke to him earlier about Exotica, the cocktail piano. He also released a book called Jewels of Jazz, the undiscovered vocal gems of the 1950s to the 1960s. And he told me why he wanted to write this book. You know, this book has been one that turns out to be one of the dearest to my heart. You know, I, going back, all the way back to when I was a kid in the 80s, I always was a fan of 1950s cool jazz specifically and the vocalists. And, you know, when I was in high school, I started just collecting vinyl. Of course, Julie London, of course, you know. But so many, you know, other artists, and I just kept building up the collection of Oh my gosh, I would say easily over 200,000 albums of vocalists, you know, and, and then um, what happened is I finished, you know, the Baxter book and, you know, friends were just saying, well, what are you going to do next? And I kind of wanted to do something with vocalists. And um, there's a gentleman who I'm sure you've interviewed too, Bill Reed, who wrote a great book called uh, The Last Hurrah, where he foc- focused this on... Um, singers that were one-hit wonders from the 50s and and 60s. And I thought it was an excellent book. And I go, you know, nobody's talking about artists. Let me go further and not just do one-hit wonders. Let me try to go into find all the undiscovered vocalists, but let me also see who's still alive, what they're up to, and, you know, for the fans, they're like, you know, what happened to them? And I... Little by little, out of the woodworks, all these incredible people were like, oh, you know, I want to be interviewed. And I, I got, I believe, the very last interview with Lola Albright before she passed. Uh, Sue Rainey, I talked with. Uh, Frank Darone's wife, Patricia Scott, and Phillips. All these people came out of the woodworks. And I think this will be an exciting book for people to learn about the singers of this period, as well as uh, what I did in the book, too, was include uh, an album for each artist, like an encyclopedia with all the sessionography and background. So it's a nice little companion piece for, you know, lounge uh, people that, you know, just love this music that want to learn more about these artists. Thanks to all the artists who put together some amazing music and amazing books for 2017. I'm going to leave you with the 2017 release of the Moonlight Sessions Volume 2 album from a great jazz canary by the name of Lynn Stanley and her version of How Insensitive. I'm going to be taking a break for a couple of weeks as far as the uh, the weekend shows are concerned. The Concternation Evenings at the Penthouse shows will continue and we'll also replay some of our Concternation Twilight shows, which are our replay shows over the coming months as I get some well-deserved R&R. Thanks for listening for 2017. Make sure you check out these amazing artists. Support them because that's the only way this music continues. Stay hip.
Oh. 